Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. Today, we will talk about the metaverse. Uh, the metaverse is a buzzword which is going around a lot lately, and it's probably in every pitch deck of every startup trying to raise money today. So first of all, we should try to define it. And that's where the problem lies. Because there is no shared definition of the metaverse. Um, maybe the most common is a thinking that you are in some virtual reality. You can walk around and you can talk to people and you can do all the things you can do in the real world, but in a virtual way. And this is a good definition because actually the first time the term metaverse was written down, it was in a book from the 90s, Snow Crash, in which actually the, the metaverse was a virtual reality. Another interpretation of the term is anything which is online. So if you're doing something online, you are not in the real world, so you are in the metaverse. And everything in between these two extremes. Also, we have to talk about crypto because the metaverse concept existed before, but crypto changes it. And uh, so we have to kind of try to forecast how the metaverse with crypto is going to affect travel. Let's start with the virtual world avatar definition. And what I've seen personally, in my experience, it already exists. Specifically, I've seen these in video games. Uh, one comes to mind, which is Roblox. And you can see kids today, they are actually living into this world. They meet their friends, they play with them. Everything happens online, but they are just behind the screen. So that metaverse already exists. And it is only going to get more pervasive. And we're gonna just going to spend more time into this, especially again, kids who find this normal. So for older people, this sounds weird, even sad sometimes. I see the reactions are like, the real world is better, these kind of things. Uh, but for kids, it's normal. They, they live both in the real world and in this kind of metaverse. Now, how will this affect travel? Well, I won't answer to this question because I have honestly no idea. Uh, what I can say is how crypto will affect this kind of world. And this is a pretty easy reading, in my opinion. So the fact that you live in a virtual world and you spend time there and you probably also spend money there. Roblox, for instance, has, has its own money called Robux and many other virtual realities have money, video games have money. You are in the Web2 sense of things. You are playing with, uh, you are building on sand because everything depends on the company which is building this video game. And if they decide to close or they decide to shut your account down or maybe they stop servicing your area or whatever reason, you lose everything. With crypto, as we have learned, we have permanence of digital assets. So you can have digital assets which you acquired into this universe or metaverse. And even if they shut down, you still have them. And they may have value in some other metaverses. In fact, 
it's pretty easy to forecast a world in which the NFT, so the digital asset you purchased or you earned in one universe, in one metaverse, is accepted in other metaverses too. So it's again this metaphor between working on somebody else's land with no rights or working some free land with uh, rights and rule of law. So crypto is making the metaverse real in a sense, because before crypto, it couldn't be really a universe, a metaverse, a world, because we, the conception we have of reality of the world is that it belongs to no one. So you live on this earth. Yeah, you can be in a country which is authoritarian, but you can move around and the world itself doesn't belong to anyone. Now imagine that the whole earth belonged to one external party. So, I don't know, aliens. Some aliens own the earth and they can decide at any moment to shut it down. We don't have this kind of experience. For us, a world is something which is just there, right? And before crypto, that wasn't possible. It cannot be just there. It's created by a company. It's maintained by a company. The company gives you access or not to this world. With crypto, this could change drastically in which the world exists no matter what. As long as there's enough people who want to keep it running, it will exist, just like the internet. So this is probably why the talk about the metaverse has come back to, you know, in fashion and everybody's talking about it because with crypto, we can actually make it real. But let us go to the other reading, the other interpretation of the metaverse, which is everything which is online. So this is a much wider interpretation. For a long time, human beings were only able to interact directly. There was no technology allowing them to exchange information indirectly until the writing, until we invented writing. That was many thousands of years ago. So, and we all had the experience of reading a book from somebody who wrote it a few centuries ago and feeling that that person was like with us in the room or talking directly to us, right? This is, in a way, the first metaverse we've ever experienced because through a technology which is writing, we can communicate with other people. The fact is that writing doesn't allow a two way communication. So, I don't know, Julius Caesar is writing. His, his experiences about the war, you can get information from him, but you cannot send it back. So this doesn't qualify as a metaverse. It's probably recently when we started with radio or telephone, actually, where we could have a two-way communication in which we started understanding that human beings now can communicate even without being together. But the telephone lacked something to be part of the metaverse is the permanence. The telephone is not there all the time. It's not always on. You have to call somebody and someone has to answer to create this communication. So the most modern interpretation of the metaverse is a permanent place where you can always get in touch with someone. And the internet fits this description much better. You go online, there's always somebody online and you can interact with them. Maybe there is a call, maybe you're on Facebook, maybe you're on Twitter. There's always somebody in that place. And again, I've talked about the internet as a place where you can do things, right? That place is always there. So that's 
for me, the most, you know, interesting interpretation of, of the metaverse. It's something we didn't have until a few decades ago. So now we have it. We are more and more used to simply go online and communicate with people or transact with people. How is this going to affect travel? Well, even here, there's interpretations. So one, you know, school of thought goes like, okay, we're going to travel through the metaverse and tourism is going to be done in these metaverse places. And I don't play too much with this idea because it has this skeuomorphic feeling. It's like, let's see what we can do differently, but basically in the same way. So we used to travel around the world. Now we're going to travel online. We're going to see, you know, virtual representations of the world. And it's just the same thing, but it's online. While we have learned already that these kinds of technologies allow us to do things we could never dream because we didn't have even the logical, theoretical ideas out there to, to imagine them. So I'm not spending too much time in thinking how you know, traveling to the metaverse is going to happen. For sure, we have the concept of jumping from one place to the other without needing actually to travel. So if I want to go from virtual Paris to where Rome, I just click somewhere and I'm there. I don't actually need to travel. Now, will we try to travel and you know replicate the experience of traveling on an airplane or on a train or on a car? Maybe, I don't know. But again, I find this whole traveling the metaverse still too difficult for me to, to forecast. So I don't think too much about it. Uh, but I prefer to think about how the metaverse will influence travel, how we travel because the metaverse exists, how we decide about travel, where to go, how to go, when to go, and how we make our you know, bookings and decisions and purchases, etc. This is also really hard, but at the same time, this is already there. Because if the metaverse is simply being online, we are online already and we are doing all these things already. The big innovation here is not that I can you know, become an avatar and walk into a travel agency and book a place looking at myself. I don't think this is interesting. The big innovation is the digital asset, the fact that whatever I purchase now actually belongs to me and it can be decentralized so we can have new systems for booking, new systems for deciding, which do not belong to a specific company, but to the whole network. And this is something we you know, talked about a lot in the podcast. Um, the fact that the metaverse is going to be more and more something real, thanks to crypto, again, in my idea, is simply going to accelerate this journey towards a decentralized booking environment, a decentralized travel industry environment. So in the same way as NFTs capture the attention of many people who would never even dream about understanding tokens or DeFi, the metaverse is another of those things which can capture your imagination, bring you towards the metaverse itself, and then you discover the real deal, which is the digital asset revolution. The fact that now online you can actually own things. And imagine being in the upcoming 
Facebook metaverse. I, I have no idea how it's going to be, but let's suppose that it's like a very centralized metaverse where you use your account from Facebook and everything you do is connected to the account and with all the risks associated, right? Like losing the account, etc. And then discovering that you're spending a lot of time there, a lot of money, and you have no ownership of the experience or the assets that you're building. And then you discover that there are actually places in other metaverses where you actually are a real citizen with ownership and digital assets and agency. So through the metaverse, you discover a whole new world, which is the Web3 new continent, where actually you are a citizen, right? So then you will discover all the rest, NFTs, DeFi, token, tokenizations, and many other things. So in that sense, the metaverse is interesting because it has this marketing power, if you want. We in, uh, in crypto, we have long suffered from the fact that if you wanted to talk about crypto to people who are not interested, all you could talk about was tokens and money and central banks and, you know, especially at the beginning with Bitcoin. And then, yes, Ethereum, you can decentralize things and decentralization means nothing to most people. Yes, we will be able to do this, we will be able to do that, but actually what we could do, you know, really impactful was only from September, to from the summer of 2020 with the DeFi summer, which actually nobody really cared about apart from us, right? So we have with the metaverse something which may accelerate the adoption of these sovereign technologies. And in that sense, it is really interesting and we, we should follow it because things never come to life in the way we expect, especially us early, very early adopters. We have a completely different approach to new, to new things compared to most people. So if you want most people to get in, they're not going to get in through, you know, LPing and staking the rewards and yield farming. You're going to come in because Maybe there's a game and they say, oh, wow, I want to actually own this player in this football game. Really own, own it, right? That's how they get in. And the same thing is going to happen in travel. We, we thought we could do this decentralized Airbnb, very against geomorphic approach. And maybe the revolution in travel, in bookings and in relationships between guests and accommodation providers or travel services providers Maybe it will happen in some metaverse. Maybe it will happen even in a metaverse with avatars. Who knows? This is really hard to predict. Still, we have to accept the fact that there's no way we can predict how this is going to happen. Okay. But the metaverse certainly seems to be one of those innovations which at least attracts the, the attention of most people. So as we stand today, I tend to be very skeptical about anybody who's talking about the metaverse in travel, because we are going through one of these phases in which new people come into the space, often without even understanding the basics of why we're doing this, why the centralization matters. And they get that buzzword, they know it helps to sell, they know it helps to raise money, and they throw the metaverse in the middle of it like it was the biggest you know, revolution in, in human history. And maybe it will be, but certainly not because it's been headed the last minute in a pitch deck to raise some funds. 
So a suggestion, I would say, if you are raising money in the travel industry or in the Web3 travel industry, do not throw the metaverse in the middle just because it sounds fun or it sounds interesting. It, I think it probably harms you. So just avoid it unless you have a very clear and, and detailed set of specifications for, for your project related to the metaverse. This metaverse buzzword, this talk, allows us also to explain to people the following sentence, which I just kind of created. Those with wallets will own. Those without wallets will be owned. Meaning that in a place where we can own stuff online, right? In Web3, we can own stuff. If you don't have a wallet, you are going to be forced to leave your digital assets in a custodial service, which in the short term is great because it's easy and it's probably even safer than yourself custodying those digital assets. But in the long term, risks to put you in a position where you don't have actually control of them or you could lose them or you realize they, they had some string attached, etc. So the concept is we have a technology now, which is the public key and private key pair for, of wallets, which allows us to have full custody of our own assets. Let's not waste it. And this is easy to explain in a metaverse setting in which like, you know, let's say somebody buys an avatar and doesn't actually own the avatar. It's easy to explain. Look, if you have, if you, you put your NFT avatar in your wallet, you actually own it. Otherwise, you know, you could lose it. Or as in some cases, there's not even an NFT. So when you buy a digital asset from a company and you don't put it on your wallet, maybe this NFT doesn't even exist. There are some land projects, you know, virtual land projects, I won't name names here, which sells you pieces of land of the world and then you realize there's nothing behind, there's no NFT. Yes, there's always, of course, the promise that they're going to mint the NFTs in the future, etc. But until that day, all you own is the company selling you some virtual land in a, in a world. So I don't say it's a good or bad investment. It could be the best investment in your life, but you don't own anything. And actually, the NFT doesn't even exist. So the, the digital asset that doesn't even exist. I don't think you can call a database, you know, something in a database from a company, a digital asset. It has to be on chain to be properly a digital asset, at least in the Web3 interpretation. So things have changed. Before we had to explain, you know, why Bitcoin is better in some senses than fiat money, because you actually own it and nobody controls it, while fiat money could be inflated away. So if you have $100 in your pocket, next year they can be worth 90 because somebody's printing them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, you would explain this and you would find yourself alone in the room. We are going toward a situation in which you go like, okay, you see that NFT of the player Ronaldo you just bought? Well, put it on your wallet because if you put it on your wallet, you can use it in the other game too. And if the first company shuts down or shuts down your account, you still own it. So have full ownership of that player in your wallet. That's much easier to understand. It's still a big shift from the web to way of thinking where everything is custodial and we trust these companies 
and there's never a problem until there's a tragedy, you know, the deplatforming thing, to the Web3 way of thinking in which, no, I own my own stuff because I'm actually building my possessions here, I'm building my real estate. And yes, that takes time, but you know, we need these kinds of innovations like the metaverse or these kinds of concepts like the metaverse to, to have most people understand this. And as I was saying, there's no way we're going to have decentralized Web3 bookings or Web3 travel until a certain amount of people have a wallet. The wallet is key. And to put a wallet in many people's hands, they need to have an incentive. And this incentive has to be really easy to understand. And we didn't have this before, and we maybe are going to have this soon. So the metaverse in travel is probably more important because it's going to accelerate this cultural change rather than because we're going to book through a metaverse interface anytime soon. So it is probably going to be more like the allegoric version of a new religion in a way in which if you want the masses to understand what this new religion is about, you need figurative characters, you need images in their minds. You can't just say, you know, express theoretical thoughts. You need to show them something and they need to experience something like a bit the ceremony in religion is really important because it's an experience. You can't convert the masses by giving them a book. The book is not enough. They have to read the book and the book has to be very colorful and then they need to have ceremonies. So the metaverse could be the modern version of the ceremonies to convert people to a new world in which they can actually own stuff online because they have never owned stuff online before. So the metaverse could kind of act as the gospel of the Web3 world in which people can actually experience and see the meaning of owning digital assets. And all this is not to say that there won't be platforms on the metaverse where people will book places or experience travel or anything. We have no idea what's going to happen there. What I'm trying to say is that we cannot really predict what's going to happen in that you know, expression of the metaverse related to travel. It's, it's really too early. But I'm pretty sure that the fact that the metaverse is becoming a thing is going to accelerate even farther the understanding of what Web3 is all about and as a consequence of how travel in terms of the travel industry will completely change because of Web3. And it's worth keeping an eye on this metaverse movement, if you want to call it like this, and being involved because it's going to invent new things. It's going to bring innovation in other things, in other industries and verticals, which then later we can bring back to travel. Or maybe travel itself for the first time is going to be the first to make very impactful innovations in, in the travel industry. So also augmented reality is kind of a metaverse in which you see a place, but then behind the screen or through a glass or whatever, you can see extra information on top of it. And so this will change the way we travel, maybe in a museum, maybe in a city. You know, when you go around the city, you don't know what you're looking at. Through augmented reality, which is part of the metaverse, 
or can be part of what the metaverse uses, your experience is the city differently. There's a land project which sells you pieces of land in the real world. And then if you own that piece of land, you have the right to have something projected when people look at it. So you basically own like a, an advertisement billboard in the middle of the Colosseum and anybody who's looking at it through your app, through that specific app, will see what you're showing over there. And we have to be careful because this, the easiest thing to do for somebody who wants to make a lot of money is to sell you virtual land. This virtual land is free and is, it has zero value. And the only value it has is if it attracts people's attention. Somebody was asking me, why are people paying a lot of money for virtual land when the land is free and everybody can make the same land over and over again? And I replied, well, the value is not in the land, the value is in the attention. So if people are paying attention to that specific land, like sandbox land, for instance, which is a upcoming game in, in Web3, if everybody's looking at that piece of land or that land in, in the sandbox, it has value, not because the piece of land has value, but because it was able in a way or the other to attract the attention. Now, somebody else could build a copy of the same land and nobody's looking at it. And then that part, that land has no value. So as it often is, your choice is to dismiss the whole thing because you know anybody can build land, it's got no value. Or say, wow, one specific land can attract a lot of attention and the attention is shifting away maybe from the social networks. So it's interesting. So maybe that's where we have to be. So maybe I can build one or I can buy one or I can at least try to understand. And this shift from centralized social networks to other ways to kind of host people's attention is going to be huge because... Those centralized social networks have too much power. And if there's a way for other people to build something different and get that power, get part of the power and money and economy away from them, it's going, it's going to be done. So in the worst case scenario, you don't follow meta, the metaverse. You think it's just you know, a buzzword. And of course, it feels like a buzzword because everybody is using it as a buzzword. And again, you, you get the fog of buzzwords and you don't understand that behind is something actually interesting. And maybe you're going to find yourself in five years from now still wasting time on Facebook with advertisement maybe, which today works and maybe five years from now won't work. And having lost the opportunity to maybe acquire some cheap land today where you can do your advertisement for free or actually sell it to other people. Because now in Web3, you are the platform. In Web2, they are the platform and you are the user. In Web3, you are the platform. So what's happening today is that some people are acquiring pieces of virtual land because they want to own pieces of the platforms of the future. Now, the difficult thing is to know who is going to be the platform of the future, which ones are going to be successful. Am I buying MySpace or am I buying Facebook? Well, that's hard to predict, but people are doing it nonetheless. So it's always worth looking at these things and it's always worth going beyond that first reaction, which tells you this is all crap because crappy people are using this crappy word in, in a crap environment. 
careful. Crypto is all like this. Actually, technology in general is like this. When a technology is very promising, you get lots of promises. And often those promises are just there to sell you something and so they can run away with the money in a way. That doesn't mean that technology is not important. The fact that we hear metaverse everywhere doesn't mean that the metaverse concept is not important. It could be the biggest change in the internet of the last 20 years. Who knows? And at the same time, maybe nothing will come out of it. So we all wasted time. I don't know. Basically, try to figure it out yourself and try not to dismiss it very quickly. It's often a, a bad idea. And at the same time, don't get too excited, you know, because something looks like, wow, revolutionary. Often it is not. So when we're going to have metaverse travel projects, learn to neither dismiss it nor jump into it, you know, at full speed. Try to give it time, understand, look at the people who are launching this, what they've done before, listen at the way they present the project. If it's, you know, one of those projects with every check is, every box is checked and everything seems perfect and they figured it out completely, that's a red flag. If they write down a boring white paper which describes it how they see it, so the vision, but they also lay out all the potential problems, etc., etc., then probably is more serious. And at the end, you don't know who's going to be successful. But yeah, neither dismiss it nor jump into it. We're going to see many of them. Even if one, often it's like this, you miss the first one, you miss the first one, which had a big success. You didn't buy it when it was cheap. And you are so pumped to buy the next one, right? And because there's a big demand for the next one, there's going to be a lot of offers. And they're all about buying, sorry, they're all about selling what the market is asking, which is a second project as successful, but cheap. This is so classic in crypto. Avoid it. If you miss the first one, wait. If you missed Axe Infinity, which is a game which was very successful, don't buy the next one. There's just probably a copycat trying to sell you something. Wait for the whole space to grow and mature. Wait for Axie to crash and see if they can come back with new ideas. Wait, you missed one. You are not going to buy the next. The second one has always been the worst. Like the second Bitcoin was Litecoin. Okay. The second Ethereum, a lot of them like Cardano. It's never like this. It takes years before somebody can be better than the, the, the first one. Because the first one has to keep trying to, to go ahead and it's going to meet all those problems. And then behind the scenes, somebody's looking and after a while figures it out, figures out a new way to do the same thing and he's successful. So crypto can be very, very lucrative and can be really, really dangerous. So when we are going to see metaverse in travel projects, we are going to have the same kind of problems, right? So careful out there. It's fascinating. It can be great. It can be bad. The difference is in understanding the basics. And I think that through this podcast, I was able to give you at least a glance of what those basics are. And if there's one thing you have to remember, 
when you are there, you know, excited, ready to buy, ready to bet very, very strongly on a project, decentralization is the key because decentralization is hard, it's expensive, it's not sexy, and those who try to accomplish it are most of the times more serious than the others. Anybody who comes in and doesn't talk about decentralization or just mentions it, but doesn't prove it and everything seems easy and usable, they are probably just selling you stuff which has no value at all. So decentralization in this space is everything. Again, as I explained before, it doesn't have to be 100% decentralized. It has to be as decentralized as possible for what they're trying to accomplish. All right, this is the end of today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. For more insights on Web3, follow me on Twitter at TripLuca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A, and see you next time.